Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Let's dive into the Word today. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Are you ready? ready. We're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today, Acts chapter 4. And what I want to do is I want to ask you a couple of questions. And as I ask you these questions, uh, your answers will probably be slightly entertaining. First question should be easy. How many of you would say, as spirit-filled followers of Jesus, you believe in the power of prayer? Raise your hands. All things are possible with God. Raise your hands. Look, leave them up for a second. Leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. Look around the room, look around. Put them down. I'm gonna ask you another question. Those of you who believe in the power of prayer, how many you know God can do all things and yet you probably know you should pray more often than you do? Raise your hands. Is that not funny, a little bit funny, a little bit ironic to realize that almost all of us would say, we serve a God that can do the impossible, that all things are possible with him, and yet almost all of us would say that our prayer lives sometimes could use a little more juice behind them. We could all pray a little bit more. And it makes me ask the question, why? Why is it that if we believe so deeply that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person touches and moves the heart of God. Why is it that many of us don't pray as often as we know that we should? Um, for me, I'll be real transparent with you. Even as a pastor, I've always felt inadequate um, as a prayer. I'm married to someone who is genuinely a prayer warrior. Um, Amy loves to pray and pray for long periods of time. I actually, if the prayer goes, you know, like five to seven minutes, my mind honestly starts wondering. Anybody like that? Wondering, wondering both probably, okay? It's just my mind will wander sometimes. I can be like an ADD prayer. I'll start off strong, and the next thing you know, I remember we forgot cereal. Cereal, we need cereal. In Jesus' name, we need cereal. And I forgot to mow the yard, you know? And my, and my mind drifts off. And some of you are, you're such good prayers, like, I know God loves it, but you make the rest of us feel horrible. You know, you're, you're, you're so good, it's almost like you're sponsored by the Holy Ghost, you know, sponsored <laughs> by the Holy Ghost. Um, and when people pray, sometimes you almost feel like they, they're so good they get bonus points. Like, if you throw in a Bible verse, ding, 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 there's two points for them. It, you know, if you quote it, there's, you know, three points, you know. As God says in his word in Isaiah 54, the weapon formed against you will prosper. Oh, there they go off to the races, you know, and you're sitting there feeling bad. Um, why is it, do you think, so often that we know we should pray more um, and we don't? After all these years of serving Jesus, I think one of the reasons why many of us believe in the power of prayer, but we don't pray as often as we should, is because our prayers are way too safe. They're way too safe. And following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Our prayers are prayers like God protect us and God bless us. God bless this food to the nourishment of my body. Bless this double cheeseburger and chili fries and state fair fried Twinkie to the nourish. Now that takes some faith, you know. Uh, <laughs> God, give us traveling mercies. You know, like for the last 4,922 trips to the grocery store, you've been safe, but nevertheless, God, keep us safe as we drive to the grocery store. I think that many of us, our prayers are just way too safe. And so what I wanna do today 
is I wanna introduce to you and I wanna challenge the amazing people at every gateway location across Texas, in prisons, all the way up into the beautiful Northwest, all over the world, wherever you're watching online, I wanna invite you and challenge you to pray a dangerous prayer for the next seven days. Seven days, and see what happens in your faith. And I'm gonna set up our dangerous prayer um, found in Acts chapter four. Let me give you the context of scripture. Uh, Peter and John were preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. And their sermon probably would have gone like this. You know, he was without sin and perfect in every way, and Jesus became sin and died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead so that anybody, and it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, anyone who calls on the name that is above every name, come on somebody, the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess his lordship, that at the name of Jesus, all of your sins would be forgiven. And as they were preaching, there was a guy that had been unable to walk for 40 years and they prayed for him and this guy was miraculously healed by a prayer of faith after 40 years um, of being unable to walk. And the, the kind of like religious hypocrites, the, the priests and the Sadducees and the temple guards, uh, they were furious about this. Like you're preaching this, this Jesus stuff and, and we don't believe this guy was really healed. And so they arrested Peter and John and they put him in prison. And the next day they took Peter and John um, into a trial before the Sanhedrin and they said, by what authority are you doing these miracles? And Peter replies in verse 10 of Acts chapter four, he said, let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that this man, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Whenever he mentioned the resurrection, this was bold beyond measure because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. In many ways, this was like a spiritual declaration of war. And so verse 13, the members of the council were, what were they? Let's all say it aloud, all of our gateway campuses. Come on, North Fort Worth, it's no fun without you. Prosper, we need you. All the members were, they were what? Say it aloud, they were amazed when they saw the what? when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they could see what kind of people were they? These guys were just ordinary men with no special training in scripture. This to me is really, really powerful. First of all, they were amazed. What were they amazed by? They were amazed when they saw the boldness of ordinary men. Um, now in the Greek, if I were Robert, I would say this in a way that would be really like bold because whenever Robert says something, you just sit back there and go, this is amazing, I'm taking notes. I wish I could say it like that in the Greek, but I just can't. So anyway, but nevertheless, in the Greek, uh, the word that's translated as ordinary is actually the word idiotes. That's what the word is in the Greek. Now, Bible translators are very, very polite because a good translation of the word idiotes is ordinary, guess what else it is? It is, he's exactly right. What they're saying is they were amazed by the boldness of these unschooled idiots, that's what they were saying. <laughs> and I know um, I'm from the South, and you, you guys know, know in the South, if somebody ever says, bless your heart, you know what that means, right? 
if you already know that. It, mean, it means you're an idiot, it's, it's what it means. If, if I got all the way to the edge of this thing and I'm like preaching up here really bold and I fell off, what would you say? Bless your heart, he's such an idiot, that guy from, that's, that's what you'd say. The, uh, the, the first time I did a funeral, Amy would remember this, I was 22 years old. It was an outdoor funeral for um, an older woman that died and they asked me to, to um, lead everyone in singing Amazing Grace. And so I just thought when you start singing, everybody would join in. <laughs> Didn't happen that way. I can't sing at all, I'm a horrible singer. And so I started singing Amazing Grace and nobody joined in. And I was like, oh, Jesus, help us. Come quickly, come quickly. And so I sang my first solo and in the middle of my first solo, outdoors, a fly flew into my mouth, a fly. Yeah. You laugh, it hit that little, what's that thing called, the uvula? You know that? That little thing back there? It hit that thing and it dropped midway down. Like, far enough to be halfway and too far not to come back out without a little extra something something, if you know what I'm saying. And so there I was in the middle of my solo at my very first funeral, What do you think I did? Do you think I, do you think I hacked a loogie by grandma's grave or, or you think I took one for the glory of God? Oh yes, I took one for the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I swallowed that thing right there, kept on going, water in my eyes, singing my bad solo, got the end, I put my hand on the casket and I said, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, what comes after that? Preachers always say it, what comes after it? I didn't know either. I'm midway through my first funeral, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I'd already wrecked it, I thought I'll say something funny. I'm just gonna like lighten things up. She's already in heaven, grandma's dead, let's lighten it up. I said, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Sure hope this coffin doesn't rust. <laughs> See, you guys have a great sense of humor. <laughs> Nobody there laughed. Nobody laughed. Walking back to the funeral car with the funeral home guy, puts his arm around me, says, first funeral? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he said, bless your heart. <laughs> You're nothing but an idiot. <laughs> That's in the Bible. <laughs> These people were amazed when they saw the boldness and realized they're just a group full of idiots. They hadn't been formally trained. They hadn't been to the proper schools. They were just bold for Jesus. So the religious leaders had a dilemma because there's this guy that couldn't walk and now he's standing there, he's healed. And so the religious leader said, you guys, Peter and John, you have to stop. Don't preach about Jesus. If you do, we'll beat you, we'll put you in prison, we may even kill you. So at that threat, Peter and John prayed. And what do you think they prayed? What they prayed was not a safe prayer. They did not pray 
keep us safe from the bad guys who want to beat us and maybe kill us. They didn't pray what I would have prayed, God, put a hedge of protection around us. You know we're doing this for your glory. Save us, protect us, God. No, this is what they prayed in verse 29. Watch this. They prayed, and now, O Lord, hear their threats, and here's their dangerous prayer. Here's the, hear their threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. In the middle of severe danger and potential harm to them for preaching the gospel, they prayed and asked God for more boldness in preaching the gospel. I believe God sent me to one of the great, strong churches across the world to encourage you to be even stronger. What do you think would happen if all the amazing Jesus followers at Gateway prayed for seven days a dangerous prayer? Make me bold. Oh God, give us great boldness to declare your word. What I wanna tell you is this, that you have no idea what God might do through one moment of boldness in your life. You have no idea who God might touch, what God might set into motion, who, who God might heal, who God might bring to faith, who God might bring to repentance through one moment of boldness. Would you just maybe just say it with me? Kind of, we'll just kind of start easy to say, just say, make me bold. Now let's say it to God. Let's look kind of look, let's remember it to God. Let's say, God, make me bold. What would happen if for seven days, let me just tell you what happened, is if you prayed that tomorrow, your tomorrow would be different. If you prayed that prayer, your Monday is gonna be different. If you prayed that prayer on Tuesday, your Tuesday is gonna be different because God is gonna give you opportunities. He's gonna give you eyes to see people who need a touch from Jesus. What do you think would be different if you prayed for seven days, God make me bold? I'll tell you what happened is some people would be amazed by your boldness. They'd be amazed because if you pray it, God's gonna give you opportunities. In fact, I would ask you a question. I want you to think about this just for a moment. How amazed do you think that people are by your boldness on a scale of one to 10? We'll just bring up a scale beneath me. Scale of one to 10. Let's just take a moment and um, ask yourself where you would rank yourself. How, how amazed are people by your boldness? I'll make it easier for you. Um, Jesus is a 10 and you're not Jesus. So, so you're, not, you're, not a, you're not a 10. I'm gonna go ahead and make it even easier. I'm gonna say the devil's a one, and I don't think the devil's here. Some of you may think you were married to the devil. Thank God there's a marriage conference coming up to cast that devil out. But you're not the devil, so let's say you're not a one. How, how amazed, and give it a number in your mind, are people by your boldness? If you're an eight or a nine, let me tell you about you. You're not at church alone right now. Because if you're an eight or a nine, you brought somebody with you. Because you're always bringing somebody with you because you're inviting people, you're praying for people. You've probably got a list, like they're probably written out, this person and this person and this person and this person. If you're an eight or a nine, you probably had somebody persecuting you this week for your faith. Because when you're really, really bold, people tend to persecute you. Maybe you're more like a five or a six. Uh, you brought somebody to church 
sometime this earlier this year, and you're, you're reaching out to people, and every now and then you'll give something and say, oh, God prompted me to do this, or you might pray for somebody once a month because God prompts you to, or you might be a little bit lower than that. You might be like a, you might be a three, you know, or a 3.5. You, you haven't brought someone to Gateway Church since 1967. <laughs> oh yeah, it wasn't here in 1967. You, you, uh, you're, not, you're not praying for anybody. Uh, you, you work with somebody and you've worked with them for a long time and they say something, you say, oh yeah, I go to Gateway Church, like wow. You're a Christian? I've worked with you for seven years. I didn't know you were a Christian. You'd be on the lower, lower end. How amazed would you say, honestly, people are by your boldness? When I became a Christian in college, I was, um, in college, I was building my testimony. You know, that means I was, I was living. Uh, did anybody else build their testimony in college? Yeah. I was, I was sinning in college. How many of you know sin can be fun? Raise your hands. Like, you guys don't do that here? You guys, like, you, nobody raise their hand. Like, I'm not raising my hand in church. Sin can be fun until it's not. It mess you up. If you don't, if you don't think it's fun, either, either you didn't do it right, you know, <laughs> or you're lying, one or the other. But it's, it, and, and so I was caught in sin and my life was miraculously changed by Jesus, saved overnight and I was a college tennis player. I played on a um, championship NAIA team. Now, if you don't know what NAIA stands for, NAIA stands for not NCAA. <laughs> that, that, that means I was not big time at all. In fact, I was so bad, I was the only American on this team, and I had the only car, and that's the only reason they kept me, because I was the transportation. <laughs> that's a true story. But amazingly, by, by uh, my senior year, I got better, and I got this award, um, at this, this senior banquet for um, this, this pretty special award, and they called me up to receive it, and I had just met Amy. She was my new girlfriend, and it was the, it was the big award, and it, so they said, would you like to say a few words for maybe a minute or so? And so I had been praying this prayer, because someone had challenged me to do the very same thing I'm challenging you, is to pray for boldness, and so as a brand new Christian, I just said, hey everybody, I want you to meet Amy just like I always do. I call her my Christian babe, which is probably totally inappropriate nowadays, but it seemed right in 1988, whatever it was. And I said, this is my Christian babe. And then I said, um, I wanna say a few words. I was lost and I was dead in my sins, but I knelt down and I prayed to Jesus and called out to him to be my Lord and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I speak in tongues. I know you don't know what that is. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I promise you it's not weird. I mean, it is a little bit weird, but it's not that weird. And if you call on his name, you can be saved too. And I promise you, if you meet him, he'll meet you where you are and just come to him as you are in the name of Jesus. His name is above every name. And now you need the Holy Ghost. Call on him now, please do it now. Just do it now, just do it now, amen. And it was something like that. And Again, you guys are so kind. They didn't clap, they didn't do nothing. They looked at me like that whole, you know, ashes to ashes thing. And, and so I was walking back to my seat and there was a soccer player that I didn't know real well. And his mouth was just draped open. He said, that's the boldest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's the boldest thing. I just wanna ask you to think about when is the last time when is the last time someone's been amazed by your boldness to reflect the love of the one who saved you, redeemed you, healed you, and set you free? 
Every day, God, make me bold. Make me bold, make me bold. You have no idea what God will do through even a single act of boldness. So we see in, um, in the story, these guys, they're, being, they're, they're praying for boldness, and watch as their prayer continues in verse 29, they say this, okay, and now Lord, hear their threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Watch what they say, stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with more boldness. They kept preaching, people kept getting saved. The high priest, the religious leaders, they were furious, and they basically said, hey, you, know, you guys go handle this, if not, Rome's gonna step in, and here's what happened next. They arrested the apostles, and they put them in a public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night and opened the gates of jail and brought them out. Then the angel told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. In those three verses, what I wanna do is I wanna show you the, the three attributes of boldness. If you pray every day for seven days, make me bold, I wanna show you what you can expect, three attributes from God's word of boldness. The first one is this, number one, boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. You need to know that. Wouldn't it be great if I told you something more fun? But the truth of the matter is, if you're bold, you'll almost always trigger spiritual opposition. Verse 18 says this, that they arrested the apostles and they put them in a public jail. What I want you to notice is this was the second time that they were in prison that week. They're serving Jesus and yet they're locked up in prison again. They didn't say, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen to me? I'm, when I'm in your will, I'm supposed to always be protected, but they're in prison again. If you pray, God, make me bold. You need to know people may laugh at you when you are. They may criticize you. People will talk bad about you. They will persecute you. Uh, when you live boldly for Jesus, you may be alone home on a Saturday night because they don't invite you to the party. Every Super Bowl party, every New Year's party, we sit home alone. Why? Because they drink alcohol and we don't drink alcohol and they don't want us to come. Do any of you guys want us to come over? We don't have anything going, we'll come. <laughs> if you're bold for Jesus and witness at school, you may not be in the popular crowd. If you're bold for Jesus and live a life of purity, they're gonna make fun of you all day long. If you're bold for Jesus and stand up and pray in faith and believe for miracles, people will make fun of you. Uh, need to understand that you will face spiritual opposition. And I tell my kids all the time, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face real opposition, do not pray this prayer. Because when you pray this prayer and when you live a life bold for Jesus, you will face opposition. Number one, boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. Number two, boldness often releases God's miracles. It often releases God's miracles. To me, this is indescribably powerful and it's also hilarious. And I wanna show you why it's both powerful and hilarious. Verse 19 says, okay, these guys are locked up and they're in jail. And then 
Scripture just says, Luke, Luke just says, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. There's no exclamation point. There's no like, wow, this is unbelievable. He just says, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of jail, and brought them out. You wouldn't act like that. If you're in jail and an angel shows up and lets you out, you are capturing that on social media and telling everybody about it, <laughs> right? You're like, praise report! This big angel came, he's as big as a Honda Accord, he came in and floor and rode him, let us out. And they just simply say, Luke just says, yeah, we're just there and an angel shows up and poof, did angel stuff, angel dust, and the gates came open and we just walked on out. Why weren't they freaked out? Because when you walk in obedience to God, you won't be surprised by miracles from God. You just kind of believe our God is gonna show up and show off because that's what God does. When, you, when you're walking in obedience and boldness, you just believe God hears your prayers. You believe that God shows up. You believe that all things are possible with him. I learned this early on as a young minister. Uh, believe it or not, I was, a, I was an associate pastor at an evangelical, charismatic, united Methodist church. Yes. <laughs> Signs of the end times. It was a, an evangelical, charismatic, united Methodist church. There was an Apostles' Creed done by people in robes with a shofar speaking in tongues and an organ, all in the same place. <laughs> my, my pastor had a healing service. My first one, I'm a young guy, and a lady came up and said, I'm going blind. The doctor said, I'm going blind. Will you pray for me to be healed? I said, yes, be right back. I ran up to my pastor. I said, there's a lady there, she's going blind. What do I do? She said, the Bible says anoint her with oil. I'm like, yes. Where's the oil? He said, there's two jugs of oil in my, my office. So I ran into his office, so I'll be right back. Got, went in there and there was oil from Israel and there was oil that had a, a prettier lid. So I opened them back up. It, one smelled like Israel, the other one smelled like cinnamon. So I thought, I'll go with the good smelling one. Rookie mistake. So I took the good smelling one, I went in there and said, I'm gonna anoint you with oil. And I'm going, I'm not, I don't know how to do this. Like I've never, nah, I haven't been to this class in seminary yet. And so I just put some on my finger and I thought I'll put it on the sign of the cross. It's like, just seemed like the right thing to do better than I could check marks, you know, so I do a little crossing. And when I opened it up, you could smell the cinnamon stuff just all over the room. She smelled like Christmas. And so I put this on, on there and she starts going, oh, it's burning. Oh, it's burning. And I'm all excited, I'm like going, I found out later on it was lamp oil that you put on those little things. Should've stood by Israel, lamp oil. And so anyway, I prayed for it. Next week, true story, she came back. She did have this little, little red thing right here. She came back in and she walked in and she said, pastor, pastor, the doctor said my eyes are being healed. And I went, no way. because I wasn't living and walking completely in faith. But when you walk in obedience to the power of God and live boldly for Him, you're not surprised when God shows up and does what other people think impossible.
So if you pray this prayer, get ready for some opposition. Get ready to potentially see God do a miracle that you didn't even expect to, to, to come. And number three, when you walk in boldness, remember boldness always requires faith. It always requires faith. Verse 20, the angel says, that angel that showed up, that broke him out, the angel says, go to the temple and give the people this message of new life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. What did the angel tell them to do? The angel told them to go and do the very thing that got you arrested and beaten twice. Go do that very same thing. It always takes faith. And when you pray, God, make me bold, he will give you opportunities and you have no idea what God may do through a single moment of boldness. 20 some odd years later, after I gave that really bad sermon at the awards banquet, 20 some odd years later, that same guy, the soccer player, that looked up and said, that's the boldest thing I've ever seen, I bumped into him at the gym and he came up to me and he gave me a very, very, very um, close hug and said, thank you so much. And I was like, I don't know what you're telling me thank you for, whatever. And he went through a story and told me how his wife had left him and his whole life fell apart. And he said, I didn't know what to do. And I thought, I probably need God, but I don't know where to go. And he goes, I remembered you, that bold guy, and I knew you had a church. So I wanted to go and see if you were still being bold like that. And yes, you're still being bold like that and still saying that same thing. And I came to the church and I uh, heard about that same Jesus you talked about years ago and he told me how he surrendered his life to him 20, 20, 20 some odd years later. 20, 20 something years later. And you have no idea what God might set into motion through a single moment of boldness in your life. God make me bold. So what, what happened to Peter and John? They went back out and boldly did the very same thing that had already gotten them beaten and put in prison. How did their story end? The good news is I think most of you know that they lived happily ever after, <laughs> right? They settled down, met some girls from Sunday school, got married, had a couple of kids, started a consulting business, talking about all that they'd learned in the early years, sold their business, made lots of money, retired early. Um, John bought a house in the mountains and Peter bought one at the beach and they grew old together, telling stories to their grandkids about walking with Jesus. We know that's not what happened, right? Um, contemporary historians tell us that John was the only one of the disciples, John and of course Judas, um, was the only one that wasn't martyred because they tried to dip him in boiling oil and somehow he survived that, lucky John. And so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos for the rest of his life. And Peter, first century sources tell us, was martyred um, in Rome. And according to, to, to tradition, they went to um, crucify him as Jesus was crucified. And tradition tells us, he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way my savior died, um, crucify me upside down. And so it's believed by many he was crucified upside down. And that's why I wanna tell you this is a dangerous prayer. It is a dangerous prayer. 
If you pray, God, make me bold. Remember, boldness always comes with spiritual opposition. If you're facing opposition right now, maybe it's because you're an eight or a nine. I always tell myself not to worry whenever I face spiritual opposition because I'm probably doing something right. When should I worry? I should worry when I'm not facing any opposition at all because I'm probably not living like a worthy opponent. If you pray make me bold, you will face some opposition. The good news is it often triggers, your faith triggers miracles from God as he responds to faith and it will always, always take your faith. If you start praying this, if you start praying now, um, some of you will not get out of the building that you're in without stopping to boldly love someone. God may prompt you to give something. God may prompt you to pray for somebody. God may prompt you to reach out to someone on the phone and talk to them about Jesus. God may, God may prompt you to be bold to that family member one more time who always seems to reject the gospel. God may put someone on your mind that their marriage isn't doing well and you may not come to the marriage conference alone next week because you're gonna bring somebody to the conference and if they can't come to the conference, you're gonna come hear James and Bridget teach next weekend a fantastic message on marriage because you're not coming alone next week. You, some of you, you're gonna become so bold, you never come to Gateway Church alone again or at least you invited someone because the message of Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. The message of Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. It's gonna take faith. And you will never fulfill your calling in your comfort zone. So, I'm gonna to ask today to um, all of our gateway locations, and here's what I wanna do is, um, don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. There's no pressure here. But if you will, maybe put a reminder on your phone every day at a certain time. For the next seven days, if you will um, step out of your comfort zone and pray a dangerous prayer, let me tell you, your Monday will be different if you pray this, and your Tuesday will be different, and your Wednesday will be different. If you would say, uh, yes, Craig, I would um, pray with you. I'll be praying this right along you. For the next seven days, I'm gonna ask God, um, as a disciple of Jesus at Gateway Church, make me bold. Would you lift up your hands today? Father, I just ask, that as you've worked through this incredible church to impact lives all over the world, would you do miracles in the hearts of um, this body this week? God, we pray a bold prayer of faith, believing for healing for Pastor Robert. God, we pray for an anointing on every person that would speak in his absence. God, we pray that this church would thrive and continue to grow. God, we pray for lost family members, people that are far from you that your Holy Spirit would draw them close. God, I pray that for every person here with a hand lifted toward heaven, that as they pray and seek you, seven days, God, make us bold, seven days. I pray for many that this would become a normal part of their prayer life, that we pray more dangerous prayers, prayers of submission, prayers of sacrifice, prayers of humility, prayers that would make us less and glorify you more. God, make us bold. Make us bold. Help us not just to preach it, but to live it, to boldly love, 
And God, we thank you in advance that you're gonna do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to your power that is at work within your church. God, make us bold. Gateway Church, just say it aloud. God, make us bold. Say it again, make us bold. God, make us bold. And we thank you in advance for all you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.